Welcome to Building the Bluegrass, a podcast dedicated to cool stuff made in Kentucky. We want to share with you how it was made, why it was made, and the story behind it. And now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. I am Griffin Meredith with Built in the Bluegrass, and we are ready to talk today with Sarah Blazon from Muse Candy. Uh, Muth, like Ruth, she explained to me earlier uh, whenever we were getting to know one another. So I've seen, the obviously, the sign on East Market Street for a long time. We're excited to get get started with her and just find out a little bit more about her business while she's in Kentucky, uh, et cetera. So, Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm good. Glad to be here. Good deal. So let's get, uh, you know, a couple things that we'll just get started with. Are we just... Let's say the sure nostalgia or whatever of the sign that we ride by whenever we come around. You can tell that your all's business has been there for a while. Why don't you give us just a brief overview of the history, uh, why it is that um, you know your location? You know, it seems like it's been there for a while through all the changes. That FYI, for those listening, they are out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and in uh, a part of town near down near Central Business downtown that has gone through crazy changes in the you know, in the time that they've been around. So. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, a little bit about your history of location, production, et cetera. Okay, we started in 1921. My great aunt and uncle um, worked at a local candy factory here in the teens, um, and he went off World War I, came home. They decided to start their own business. Um, so with the help of her family, they rented a building, um, rented a second floor on East Market Street, and a few months later, they bought their first building um, on East Market Street in the 500 block. Um, those two, the couple ran the business together with her sister, who was my great grandmother, um, for many decades until the eighties, um, when Isabel Muth passed and she passed it on down the female line of the family. Um, so my great grandmother, uh, my grandmother and grandfather, then my mom and her seven siblings. And, um, now me and my brother are in the business. We've always been on East Market Street. Um, we have then, um, like I said, in the 500 block, and then in the 60s, when Interstate 65 came through the neighborhood, they took our building and we moved into the 600 block. Um, but as Griffin was talking about, our sign is original. It still hangs on the front of our building. We moved it from building to building, along with all the rest of our equipment and display cases and all those things. Um, and I really couldn't tell you why they picked Louisville. They've, their family had been a little so many generations. Um, they were they owned a transfer line and they were stonemasons. So they kind of just had deep roots in the city and they decided to stick around. <laughs> cool. So let's just dive right in. So you make candy. Uh, that's that means you don't make anything else. You're not doing bread. You're not a master of um, you're a master of one. If I'm correct. Like it is something that is typically going to come through as a sweets and a candy. You're not doing steaks. You're not doing things of that nature. Yeah, tell us, you know, is that the case? What types of candy you know, how and why are you unique? You know, why is this different than whatever I'm buying at Walgreens whenever I'm going shopping on Halloween? Everything we make is candy. There's definitely no other products, um, regardless of what random phone calls we get. Um, but yeah, so we make candy, we make caramels, we make um, brittles, we make fudge, we make chocolates, solid chocolates, cho jelly-filled chocolates, cream-filled chocolates, Um <laughs> I'm, I'm holding up one of the brittles that uh, that Sarah was able to give to us earlier today. So sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. You're fine. We actually make seven kinds of brittle at Christmas. Um, there are so many. We only make candy, but we make dozens of varieties of candy. Um, 
So everything that comes through here pretty much starts with some kind of sugar um, to begin with and ends in many, many different flavors. Cool. So talk about your, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I say talk about your production. So, you know, whenever you're talking about all these different things, you know, I can just imagine my grandmother in the kitchen trying to fire up a couple things of cookies and it's going to take a heck of a kitchen. So talk a little bit about your production. You know, you, uh, how many chefs do you have? How many acres, you know, whatever the term is that you use for them. And I'm sure it's not an assembly line, but just how is that a, what does that look like in a commercial kitchen at the minimum, I would say? Um, our kitchen is um, it's kind of a step back in time. There's one head candy maker and one assistant, and then there's a few of us that can flow back there and help them. But um, the sheer volume that we produce out of such a small space blows most people's minds. Um, we have original equipment there that is um, mostly we, we take raw ingredients. We cook them in copper um, kettles. We, um, they're cooked over fire. <laughs> And then um, they go, once the, the, the center or the um, final candy is made, it goes into um, a dipping facility where people hand dip. Um, so they cover the center in chocolate. We have um, two full-time dippers and two part-time dippers um, that work in that room. And then the next section of our building, all this is down at East Market Street um, in the same building that's storefront. And then we have about five packaging um, full-time clerks um, out front slash office staff and all of these numbers kind of balloon come Christmas or Easter where a lot of people pitch in and throw in and they have seasonal help and and seasonal family members who come back out of retirement and things like that to um, meet production needs those times of year. Right, so then you, know, you do it it takes quite a, how many employees do you have during just let's call it the off season and then how much do you have during peak? Um, just ballpark. Our, our typical full-time staff is about 12 and our peak could be 17 or 18, depending on um, the season. So talk about that volume. We are with finding help. How many pieces of, you know, brittle, you know, or, or ounces or however you all refer to it. Did you produce on an annual daily, monthly, like whatever would make it real to me of how much you all get out of your, I'm sure you're not Mars candy. But talk a little bit about um, what all you, what how much you get done in a given time period. I don't even know how to quantify that. <laughs> with um, I'm, I'm unfortunately the numbers girl, but not the uh, data girl, if that makes any sense. Um, so that brittle that you just held up um, in the month of December, which is probably our busiest month, we make about twenty five batches of that product, and there are. 30 pounds in a batch. Um, and that's one out of dozens of items. So our Majesco, which is our most popular item, it's a caramel covered marshmallow. Um, in an entire year, I want to say we make about 650,000 individual pieces that people eat. And that's, again, one of dozens of items. So I really don't know how to quantify without <laughs> digging into um, lots of numbers. but it's a ridiculous amount of candy. <laughs> so let, let's talk about another set of numbers is your, I know you'll have a retail or seemingly retail uh, type of shop where you can walk up and buy something. So what is your retail sales versus your online sales, your uh, you know, just local shipping or local, I guess, 
corporate gifts or something that you may have. Uh, is the bulk of yours online uh, sales? I'm sure COVID's changed your business, but you know how does your you know, production facility in downtown Louisville produce and go across the country? What is something that or nation or worldwide? Tell us a little bit about where all it goes to and the footprint that you can bestow. So upon. we do we do have a retail store. Um, that's our bread and butter. That's what built us, um, but especially since the pandemic hit last year, we've always had for probably about 12, 15 years, we've had online sales. Um, we, they've slowly been etching into that percentage um, from our retail sales over the years. Um, but last year we saw just astronomical growth in that online category because people, um, I don't know if people just really wanted comfort or if people just <laughs> found us. Um, but so our internet sales last year, I would say made up because we, we actually changed our website to be, um, curbside pickup like everyone else. So if, if that's considered online sales, the same people who would normally be walking in our door are now making our lives easier by just putting it in a cart and sending us an order. Um, our online sales last year probably accounted for 40 to 50%, um, of orders that came through our door. Um, but, and then the, the third Avenue, um, because of those online sales, like I said, they're not only curbside, we do ship across the country, um, everywhere, even in the world. I have a regular customer in Australia who twice a year gets candy. She loves it that much. Um, but we also do corporate gift giving. So say Christmas rolls around and you have 200 clients that you want to show your appreciation for, um, we can individually package and send those gifts. And that makes up probably at least I'd say 15% of our overall business uh, throughout the year and mostly around the holidays. Cool. So I would classify that as primarily local, primarily local, uh, but then also you know, statewide and across the country, but having a worldwide footprint, I'm sure just logistics of some of that gets, gets pretty difficult at times. So when I was in Paris a couple of years ago, I remember, Stopping, I don't remember where we were in the little, in the town, but we stopped by, I think it was Godiva. Is that right? Or what, whatever it was, yeah, it was Godiva. some, it was something that was in Paris. And I walked in and I thought, oh, this is cool. Let's get some of the original chocolates from this place. And it was pricey. Now their pitch was like, this is so much higher quality. This is so much better than anything you're going to see in this store or in a, you know, that's made up in a candy wrapper. Is that true? And, you know, tell me a little bit about why, the quality of your candy works instead of a Snickers bar? Um, it boils down to a lot of things that I would consider um, things that larger companies use to make a shelf life of a product. Um, so that Snickers bar could have been sitting on that shelf for three months. They could have been sitting on that shelf for six months. They could have been produced and shipped across the country two weeks ago, but theoretically probably not. <laughs> Um, and so we don't use a lot of preservatives in our candy. So when you buy our candy, it's kind of like a baked good. You want a, you want a fresh donut. You don't want a donut that's been sitting on a shelf for, for months. Um, it's kind of the same approach that we take. And so that lends itself to higher quality ingredients um, when you can't pump it full of a bunch of uh, additives to make it taste good for longer periods of time. And so I would personally say that it's worth it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I think it's, it's almost like anything else in life. You get what you pay for. 
And there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. I love a good Reese's cup. <laughs> I'm not going to shame people who eat Reese's cups by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely more about um, the quality of the product and the quality of the um, work and time that people put in, that we put into our product is where we come to that price. Yeah. And, but as a consumer, uh, I guess the quality has to, to stick up there because if, if it's not that much better then you know, I would, you know, I'm, Hey, it's not killing me. You know, it's sugar. It's you know, whatever the high fructose corn syrup or it's whatever you're putting in it. Yeah. If I, you have to keep the quality up presumably, but you know, so the handmade behind it matters to some doesn't to others, but you feel as though you all keep the quality up so high. If I'm eating a piece of your peanut brittle or a piece of brittle off of the shelf of someone that does have a lot of preservatives, someone who has mass produced it in a, in a big factory, you're going to put your quality up against that hands down. Is that correct? I would put my quality, our quality up against anybody any day of the week. And I just, you can taste the freshness in a product. And I think that people are willing to pay for that. And again, it doesn't mean that that other product is bad. It just necessarily, I, I would definitely hands down, even in a blind taste test, put my product against anybody else's. Nice. Well, that's, that's what we like to hear. And that's what we want to highlight is businesses that are doing things in Kentucky that, you know, are pretty important. I mean, I know that you all have been somewhat of a local staple, you know, for some time. How does that compare? Like if you go to other states or other cities, do you feel like that what you all have is very unique or do you feel like, oh yeah, you know, most uh, states, most regions have a quality candy maker, I think is what you put it um, earlier, or are you all truly unique that you feel in that fashion? Uh, or is it you know, more of just, Hey, well, you know, there's 30 of us across the country or something, you know, something like that. Um, it's definitely not, we're not the only ones. Um, it's a fun thing we've always done on family vacations is to find the oldest local candy store <laughs> any place you go. Um, the art and the quality um, it depends on how long that store has been around. If I would consider them on the same um, playing field, but there's definitely plenty across the country. Candy stores used to be like bakeries. Every neighborhood had one. And so there was an art to it and people generationally learned how to do it. And so therefore like us, there are some families that still stuck in that business and stayed there. There's plenty of great local bakeries in most towns that have been there for a hundred years and you just don't know it because they're just the local bakery that's in there for a hundred years. And so thankfully in Louisville, we're the, unfortunately the only ones that have um, been able to stick it out this long, but there used to be a lot more candy stores around. Cool. So tell us, you know, we'll try to try to wrap up here for a, um, for a minute, you know, get, let you get your closing words in of, you know, things you want us to know, but what would you say from a candy maker versus a baker or just something about your, you know, your trade or your craft that you think, you know, is really important and that you wish more people knew, uh, you know, the preservative thing is something that I don't, I mean, I do because I'm in the middle of this a lot. I, I hear things like that, but I don't think a lot of times people consider, you know, fresh versus you know, something they've you know, seen that could last nine months and what goes in. You know, what are the things you know, besides the, you know, something to put in there to preserve. What are some things you wish people knew about your craft? And, uh, you know, some things that you think you do great that really matter and you think separate you and will keep you in business for another hundred years. Um, I think that attention to detail is something that is um, drilled in us from a young age in this business, that um, the quality and the recipe are not to be 
um, sacrifice for price or time or any of those things that it really is about um, putting the best product out there that is possible for us to make. And there's no um, limitation on how much that means to us. And that means to, to have our customers um, day in and day out have the same quality product and believe um, in the same um, I, I don't, don't know exactly how I'm trying to say this, but um, so I'm fourth generation. So that means that there's four generations of Louisvillians who have um, grown up with this product and this candy. And we don't want to compromise that quality and become the, the people who cut corners to um, stick around. And so we've really tried to make sure that our product um, shows how much effort that we give and the fact that we still do most things the way that we did 100 years ago with the same um, methods, a few tweaks here and there to improve efficiency, but we really try our best to maintain the quality of product along with the quality of customer service and um, kind of dedication to pleasing our customers that we've had. And I think that's what's going to keep us around for another 100 years. If you don't keep your customers happy, they will find someone who will. So something that you were talking about earlier, uh, you mentioned like milk, real milk chocolate versus, you know, not real or whatever the term is. I'll let you get that sophistication to the vocabulary in there instead of me. Uh, talk about that, how some people uh, may not understand what they're buying when they're comparing something off the shelf that does last nine months uh, to what you're producing. Talk just before we close out, I'd like to, to get that point across because we've been talking about it earlier and I, I didn't. Um. Not real milk chocolate. I, um, I was, I kind of mean that like when you are at the grocery store and at Easter time, you see a giant bunny and it says uh, milk chocolate bunny. If you look in fine print at the bottom, it says milk chocolate flavored bunny. And you don't realize that it's not actually um, a true milk chocolate and a true quality um, chocolate, which there's varying degrees of quality of chocolate, which the average person wouldn't know unless you gave them two very different quality chocolates and said, which one tastes better? I um, mean, you might kind of have to, to draw things out of them to get them to explain what, what you mean by taste better, but um, true milk chocolate or dark chocolate or whatever it is you're, you're doing, um, there's a, a smoothness and a quality to um, using the right ingredients that um, is hard. It's not impossible. There's, like I said, there's plenty of, of large manufacturers who have good quality products, but it just kind of boils back down to the freshness of a baked good, the, the, the quality of, of what you're um, indulging in, <laughs> since it is just sugar and it is just um, a, a treat for people. But if you're going to go ahead and, and have that thing that's not good for you, might as well taste really, really good. Yes, uh, you are correct that if I'm going to have a dessert, I don't want it to be a, a bad old brownie or something of that nature. Uh, well, great, uh, everyone. Thank you for listening today. We've got, uh, again, Sarah Blazing with Muth Candies on. I've actually... For those of you who are looking at us um, on video, I've got their their new logo that says since 1921, or not new logo, but now a 100-year-old uh, logo that has been a Louisville staple for some time, so it wants to stick around for another 100 years. Sarah, tell us how we can get a hold of you if we want to, you know, if we want to do some business with you, we want to buy some candy, we want to get some a, a gift for some of our clients, whatever it is we want to do. You know, how do we get in touch with you, and what are some of the things that, that you feel are um, products that you know, fit with listeners that we're going to have that are paying attention to someone who produces quality candy in Kentucky. 
you can get a hold of us right here on East Market Street. Uh, we're at 630 East Market Street in Nulu, downtown Louisville. Um, we have a website, meatscandies.com. Um, you can always email us there or you can give us a call. <laughs> um, we're on every single uh, social media platform. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those things. Um, and products that I think that other uh, manufacturers might really um, enjoy or um, benefit from are things like our corporate gifts. We do a lot of great um, gift giving ideas. We can make it specific to your company, specific to your brand, all those things um, that kind of just show your client that you're going the extra mile. So you're going to um, put my logo on the outside of the milk chocolate. Is that what you're going to do? Really? I did I not know. That. I'm glad you put that in there because so then it comes to someone in a form, you know, I guess you make a form for it and then it, uh, make we, it. yeah, we have the, the forms made and then, um, I mean, I can get it printed on a box. I can get it printed in chocolate. I can, um, give handwritten like custom gift cards uh, that go in every single gift if you want it signed from XYZ team or yeah lots of customization available and it's going to be the highest quality candy made uh, at least in Kentucky and maybe across the country so thank you for being with us today Sarah we will uh, make sure we get all your information out there on our social media channels and out to our uh, partners with the Kentucky Association of Manufacturers so I'm Griffin Meredith uh, signing off for another episode of Built in the Bluegrass. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Built in the Bluegrass. We hope you're leaving this episode with a better understanding of the cool stuff made in Kentucky. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notified as new episodes become available. Until next time.